Hi, I'm Marty Snyderman. I suppose you could call me a shark person. And given that, probably would come as no surprise that I'm the chief photographer and co-writer of this DVD, Sharks and Their Kin, that I produced with Mary Lynn Price. I fell in love with sharks and began diving with and studying and photographing sharks some 25 or 30 years ago. Certainly, like most people, I was first drawn into the world of sharks because of the sheer power and drama of creatures like great white sharks and great hammerheads, tiger sharks, some of the big, dramatic, impressive animals that often make it onto our television sets and into movie theaters. But over the period of time that I've been studying sharks, I learned about this whole other world of sharks, kind of non-stereotypical species, species that don't get a lot of publicity or notoriety. Animals like long-nosed saw sharks, angel sharks, file-tail cat sharks, and all their cousins, little, perhaps nondescript, but not to say that they're not important. And it's animals like those that I'd like to share with you today. Hope you'll enjoy a little excerpt from Sharks in Their Kin. What we have seen to this point are what I would call stereotypical, or made-for-television sharks. But in that world of 370 plus species, there are a lot of sharks that rarely make it. I won't say never, but rarely make it onto television shows. And they don't get nearly as much publicity or notoriety as do those species that have that made-for-TV look. I'd like to take you now on a quick tour of the world of non-stereotypical sharks, if you will, and see if we can learn a little bit about a number of those species. This is a wabigong, sometimes known as a carpet shark. Instead of being the biggest, baddest, meanest fish in the sea, these sharks rely on camouflage. The animal blends in to the rocky bottom, or in some cases, in other species of wabigongs, coral bottoms and sand bottoms. They are lion-weight predators that use camouflage to capture unsuspecting prey. You might look at these animals and think, my goodness, this animal can't really be a shark. It certainly doesn't have the same kind of look or face that we see when we encounter a great white shark, tiger shark, mako, or so many other species that have that made-for-TV look. This is a tasseled wabigong. Not much mystery in how this animal gets its common name. Again, as a wabigong, the shark blends into the sea floor and waits for unsuspecting prey to venture within its hit or strike zone. It's just a few inches above and in front of it. When prey enters that zone, the wabigong will suddenly leap off the bottom, if you will, and surprise its prey. This is a real bad place for this trumpet fish to be, and it is probably the last mistake this animal will ever make. This is also a shark. I'm talking about the animal on your left. This animal is full grown. It's a file-tailed cat shark. It's a deep water animal, and most people are likely to think that they never encountered one of these sharks, or even heard of them for that matter. But a surprising number of people have come into contact with file-tailed cat sharks especially if they have ever been to jolly old England and eaten fish and chips. File-tailed cat sharks are commonly the fish in fish and chips. Like well over 50% of sharks, file-tailed cat sharks, when full-grown, 
are considerably smaller than you and I are likely to be when we're full grown. And like the majority of sharks, they inhabit deep water, far beyond the range where even scuba divers are likely to venture. Here's another animal that you might not think of as a shark, certainly not as a stereotypical shark. This is a Pacific angel shark. It is not almost a shark or kind of a shark or going to be a shark when it grows up. This animal is a shark, every bit as much as a great white shark, tiger, blue, hammerhead, or any other species. It looks somewhat like a cross between a ray and a shark, and you might not be sure what to call it when you first see it. But this animal shares the characteristics that are found in other sharks, and there is no doubt about it, Pacific Angel Shark is a shark. Despite the fact that many people think this face looks more like that the face of a snake, than what we think of as a stereotypical shark. Where do we find angel sharks? Well, actually, there are 13 species around the world. But the place that I have seen them the most is right here in my own backyard in Southern California, out in the sand flats when common squid come into the shallows to mate during the wintertime. These are mating squid. You can see all of their egg casings planted by the females on the sea floor beneath them. All of the adults die shortly after mating, and animals like angel sharks and some of their close relatives, like rays, animals like this thornback ray and bat ray, come in to feed upon the dead and dying squid. Here is perhaps a little better look at an angel shark, a southeastern Australian angel shark. And as I mentioned, this angel shark design is not an accident. This is a very successful design in the world of sharks. We might look at this animal, and because we don't see angel sharks very often on television, we might tend to think that their design is some kind of accident or aberration in the world of sharks. But clearly, that is not the case, as there are 13 species of angel sharks lying in wait in oceans all around the world. Here is another rather innocuous little species. This is a horn shark. Horn sharks occur in Southern California and part of the way down Mexico's Baja Peninsula. So named for the modified dermal denticles that create these horn-like spikes atop the body, just in front of the dorsal fins, and also for the horny ridge above their eyes. When full grown, horn sharks are three and a half to perhaps four feet long. The question I have for you is, I mean, no matter how scary or how dramatic I make a horn shark look on film, does this look like the face of a wanton killer? Well, hardly. I think almost everyone would agree that if you put this face in the movie Jaws, audiences would be giggling where we were supposed to be terrified. So who does this face intimidate? Well, perhaps hermit crabs and sea urchins. That's where horn sharks fit into Mother Nature's overall plan. Those animals are part of the prey of horn sharks. About one in 10 horn sharks readily preys on sea urchins. You can identify these animals by the reddish to purple stains on their teeth and the spines on their back. Another Southern California species that is sometimes seen gathering in large numbers close to shore. This is a leopard shark. Here, a blind shark an animal that is typically only three, three and a half feet long when full grown. 
I don't think the word cute is one of the first thoughts that comes to people's mind when they think of sharks. But clearly, cute is apropos in the case of this long-nosed saw shark. You can see the prominent chemosensory barbels on the animal's snout. These chemosensory organs enable long-nosed saw sharks to detect the presence of their prey, even if the prey is sometimes buried. Note the sharp spikes on the side of the snout. Actually, they're kind of hard to miss. It is believed that saw sharks use these spikes to help them dig through soft substrate and root out or scare up prey that is quickly impaled by the rapid side-to-side -side movement of the head and snout.